0: Keep all sexy thoughts, fantasies, feelings, desires about me and our guests to yourself and enjoy. Hey friends, this is Wild Lee and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share our most intimate details. And my guest today is going to introduce himself. I am Jamal David. Hello. Hello. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself so that people can get an idea of your background, who they're listening to?: Yes,
1: so I am 31. Almost had to think about it for a second. I'm at that age where you're starting to forget. Uh, but no, I, I'm definitely 31 and I'm not 32 yet until uh, December 31st.
0: <coughs> Capricorn. And
1: I'm interested in um, I'm interested in exploring how people think and how people work, and I do that in my art a lot but also since my last relationship, I've been interested in doing that with my relationships. So just sort of understanding from, (coughs) sorry, childhood, how I was affected by relationship. It influenced my ideas of what kind of relationship I want as an adult and also for sex. And I'm finding a lot of things are different on the field than they are from what I was taught. And as a 31 year old, that hasn't stopped. You think after high school and all the like virginity ages where it's a big deal to lose your virginity that, but th- that's, that those ideas kind of change. But for me, they haven't really, mm-hmm. they've been the same and there's been a lot of the same mysteries.
0: I would like to start by hearing what those ideas were for you growing up. Like what are your early memories around sex or people talking about sex?
1: Yeah, definitely when I was little, The talking about sex is almost something I have no memories. I can't even place a single memory around talking about sex. I actually do remember having a discomfort with saying the word sex.
0: Really? Yeah. I
1: actually consciously remember not wanting to say sex or being able to comfortably say it until I was an adult Mm. and I didn't have any more teens in front of my age. Mm. So all throughout my teens, I was uncomfortable saying sex just because it was so... Um, a big deal and growing up in that indoctrinated sort of way, I was in a Christian church, but it wasn't like a, every Sunday you go and say, hallelujah church. It was a, and then do your regular thing all week. No, it was a doctrine church where there's a doctrine to follow. You couldn't say curse words. You couldn't hang out with people that were of the world, meaning they were not baptized. They were worldly people. These are the actual languages they used. Hmm. And uh, so Friday nights, for example, when I became a teen, when we were kids, we had kids kingdom, but when I became a teen, preteen and a teenager, we had the teen ministry. And so I have was assigned a discipler and my discipler would invite me to his house, with the other teens, and we would all hang out and do fun things on Friday nights. And I guess the idea was we were with each other rejoicing and singing the gospel and mm-hmm. reading the Bible and talking about our week and how we got through the week. And a lot of the times when the men talked, or the, 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 the boys, their challenges of temptation would be the main subject. Really, Their challenges of seeing a young woman at the bus stop and she was wearing cleavage and I just really had to go into my faith and pray and I had to actually, you know, leave the bus stop and go and pray. And this was the reality of their lives. And so I was sitting there listening to this as a gay man thinking, you know, I haven't masturbated yet. I haven't, you know, I'm this good. I, I was born in this church, yeah. so I don't know any other reality. Yeah, this is my concept of reality and so I was thinking well I have a leg up on these guys I don't see women at the bus stop and get like a hard on and all that I see women and I'm like hey what's up you're, fr- you're my friend so I thought that gave me you know I thought that gave me like, a, like an advantage uh-huh. I, I totally thought that when I became baptized which I wasn't allowed to do until I got to the beginning middle and end of the bible mm-hmm. in terms of learning it with my discipler mm-hmm. kind of I hate to compare it to a bar mitzvah, but I know that you're learning a lot about the faith, and there's a certain point you reach in your learning, and after that, you're allowed to do the bar mitzvah. <laughs> so similarly, I was allowed to be baptized after I learned all the there is to know about the New and Old Testament. And I was baptized in front of lots of people. But I remember thinking about sex <laughs> under the stage where I was baptized, by the way, at the... I think that the guitar something center. It's that big giant theater in the Universal Studios. Oh, really? Lot. Yeah, and there were thousands of people screaming, you know. And I had a, my face on a big screen behind me, and there was like three big buckets to dip people in on the stage. And I, so they put me in it, and I came out, and I was rejo- I was saved, you know, I was rejoiced. But How I went old down. Were
0: you? I was thirteen. Okay, and you went down.
1: And I went downstairs, and I, you know, was toweling off, and I was feeling shaky because, on one hand yes, there's this rapture feeling, whatever. But I think that's also because there was an audience of people mm-hmm. screaming for me. Yeah. So that would that's also, great. you know, and you got your dad off stage being like, I'm so proud of you. So mm. these are things that can kind of make you feel like, oh, I'm changed. I'm new. Like, you know, but I think what it really was, was just all of that adulation. And I totally remember thinking, okay, now this is the part where it gets hard. Cause they told me this is going to happen and you're going to get excited. And then you're going to start thinking about temptation again. And you have to remember your faith because that's the point of doing this. So I remember going downstairs and we separated from the girls and I was just with the guys and it's kind of like our locker room, I guess. Mm. And so I remember thinking, I'm not going to have temptation problems like them. They're all gonna have temptation problems. But meanwhile, I just have to figure out how to not be tempted by them.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Did did your church, like, were you allowed to be gay at church?
1: No. It
0: wasn't something that
1: acknowledged homosexuality okay. as much as it was something that, if you talked about it, they would acknowledge it, but not openly mm. with your discipler. So did you? I never okay. talked with Jimmy about this. Uh, Jimmy was my discipler, and I think he was my only one. He was a white man.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and um he was adult, and I you know, and uh, he liked Pier One candles, like cheap. <laughs> <laughs> i like pure one candles
0: i like, like all
1: candles i like Valespa candles so i'm bougie oh my now God, i love those candles
0: <laughs> i don't like fake cinnamon candles I would oh no. Say
1: that. no yeah absolutely not too sweet yeah.
0: but yeah it was just a
1: strange introduction to my sexuality because my body wasn't mine it wasn't allowed i wasn't allowed to touch it and before i hit puberty my father had a famous this is a famous night i'll never forget He took me to the backyard and he said, pretty soon, your body's going to change and you're going to start experiencing some weird urges. For example, when you're in the shower in the morning, you might feel like, and he couldn't say the words because that's that, you know, and, but I got the meaning. And he says, if, when that happens, just pray until the urge goes away. Whoa. And And I did what my daddy said. You did. Okay. He was right. Took like a year and puberty started like on the dot, like he said. Uh, and I didn't have it. Like he said, like I didn't have, I don't have this thing in the shower where I get an, I don't, that's, I think, I don't know, but I definitely had, you know, thoughts Yeah. and arousal and it was mostly out of anatomy and biology mm-hmm. that I had the arousal, the, the erections. Mm-hmm. I didn't have erections because I saw something that was hot. I would have an erection because I just woke up, mm-hmm. but my instructions didn't include anything for that situation. Right. <laughs> so I had to treat it like any other time that it. Yeah, because it's supposed to be about temptation. So I would pray until it went away (laughs) every morning. Yeah. Wow. And I wouldn't get up till it was down. But but after I was up, if it popped up again, I was like, I'm already up. I can't, you know, you got to function. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely got into the habit of praying until the erections went down.
0: Wow. Until when? What shifted for you? I would say
1: that's a harder one to answer. Actually, I would I would say I kept doing that until maybe uh, 16 mm-hmm. or 17, maybe 16. There was something about that time. I know what it was. There was a boy. <gasps>
0: okay, so, go
1: on. Okay, well, there was a boy. I yeah, can't say well, his name. I just really... Don't say his name, but, but tell there us was the details. There was a boy, and he, he, he was just incredibly connected to me on a human level. Mm. He was a skater. He went to my high school. He's white. All the guys are white there. I mean, because I... This was, you know, eighth grade to ninth grade was all white kids because okay. I because I, I went to a different school then.
0: Where, what area was this?
1: Well, I grew up in South Bay. Okay. So Hawthorne is where lots of my schools were. But I had family in South Central Compton mm-hmm. uh, because my parents had me young. So I had six grandparents growing up. Six. What? Yeah, my great-grandparents were my favorite place to go. I liked going there more than Chuck E. Cheese. Oh. So there was a culture and there was a culture clash and there was all of that. Mm-hmm. But then my parents were young they were teenagers, right? So they kept getting uh, evicted. And so we had to move. And so a lot of the time I would start relationships with friends and know that I was going to have to end those relationships Mm -hmm. soon. Mm -hmm. So I got to a point around third and fourth grade where I was anticipating the end of my relationships before they would happen. So it created a callus when I would meet people in a new school, but I always had tokens. There was always a token, not black guy that was easier to be friends with than all the black kids hmm. and he was always a boy but there was he was always not the first person I would crack in other words make like me right mm-hmm. um the other the first person was usually a white girl who was very good to eat two shoes and I would for some reason be I was always a good student so we would bond
0: on that so like we would have been friends in elementary school definitely
1: <laughs> sitting the front doing a good job to our own detriment, like, like, like totally. really following every rule as oh, yeah. asked of us. So, finding other kids like that was easy mm-hmm. and we would bond. But then, after a while, my personality would come out more and the other parts of me would not be served in that relationship. And so, I'd find someone else. And as a kid, you don't know this, you just kind of go. Well, by the time I got to sixth grade, I was really good at compartmentalizing my feelings for boys mm-hmm. because I knew I was going to have feelings for for Robert or for whoever it was. And I knew that was going to hurt hmm. because I was going to have to keep it a secret because everything would be over and I would be in trouble if I ever told. Really? So, oh my God, as a kid, I was really managing myself through a lot psychologically. So to even, and the reason this is important to me is because this is sex. Yeah. This whole thing is sex.
0: Yeah.
1: Everyone that I've ever been attracted to, it's because of this history. Not because of their body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's like the last thing that I can... Totally. Right? Like, yeah. I'm just totally like... I feel you. I, I think that growing up taught me about sex, at least, that it's something that I, I didn't don't own. And I never thought that it was something that I owned. And so naturally, my first adult relationship with a man, though it lasted for eight years, it was a long seven-year masterclass in giving up my own resilience that I didn't even know I had, but I'm a very resilient person and I never knew that. And then I also found out that that has to do with my, now this gets me to what I'm exploring with submission and domination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I I think that there's a lot to be said about the psychology there Mm -hmm. because regardless of someone's knowledge of this, It still operates in the room. Like if you're a submissive and there's a dominant in the room and you're in the same room, there's going to be electricity that is unique to that dynamic Mm -hmm. and it's going to be in the room, no matter what the people's knowledge of that is. I'm interested in just going ahead and learning about that because it's a power I'm realizing that I have. Mm -hmm. And I. Great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. So I'm realizing that and I want to I want to understand more about this whole domination submission thing. I I don't know what my relationship to it is. I just know I have one.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I would say that's accurate. I feel like everyone probably does whether they know it or not. It doesn't mean they want to all explore kink, but it sounds like you might be interested in that.
1: Yeah, I you know, I'm I'm just I believe sex is psychological. Sex is so psychological. And for me, yeah, for me that is where the arousal comes from because, and now I have to get in, into the real heart of my introduction into sexuality, which wasn't really the best story because it was as a kid before I was ready. So I was a kid. I was a kid and um, my body was doing things that my mind didn't learn what those things were yet. Mm-hmm. So, but it wasn't an, an adult.
0: Okay. And how old were you here? 16?
1: I was 11 Oh, that you're and 11. 12 and 13. No, 11 and 12. I guess that just felt like a longer time than it was. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely 11 and 12 were the worst years of that. And um, it wasn't an adult. So it was harder to just be like, everyone, something was done to me. Mm. He was a few years older than me and he was bigger and he had hair down there and I didn't yet. Mm-hmm. But that's not a level of detail you wanna to say to the person who you're asking for help. Yeah. So I said nothing, cause it was easier.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But saying nothing, didn't really stop the thing from happening. Yeah. And so what ended up happening was my sexuality as an adult would now become defined. Basically, he took, he was in a position where I should trust him, but he was also deaf. And I think we had the same sickness, meningitis or something, when we were babies. Mm-hmm. Or I was a baby and he was a little older. And then I was treated fast enough because my mom was a nurse and responded quickly, but his mom kind of, didn't react as quickly. Mm. And so it was too late by the time he got treatment. And so he is lost his hearing, Mm -hmm. but the family didn't invest in ASL at that age. Um, I think a lot of families to this day refuse ASL if they have a deaf kid, because the family refuses that they all have to now learn a new language. And so as a result, the kid ends up not getting to learn any language. There was an Oscar-winning short in the Oscar shorts last year. I loved it. The Silent Child. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And because it tackles this issue head on. So here I am in a position where I got this guy. He's bigger than me, and I'm supposed to trust him because he's bigger than me. He's Mm -hmm. supposed to look out for me. But I don't have language. So I have to use my body to communicate with him. Well, one day, he took liberty to try something with me that um, no uh, adult was around to see. And I didn't understand that I was uncomfortable Yeah. because my lesson again was your body isn't yours. Right. So if somebody's coming close to it, I'm not going to know what that, I'm going to feel it, but I'm not going to know what that feeling is or what to do about it. So I just let my eyes go like this and whatever happens to me is happening. And they Mm -hmm. stay like this until it's done happening. Mm -hmm. And then it's Mm -hmm. up to me to figure out ways to unhappen it in my head. But I sort of carried that feeling every single time I would go to grandma's house and see him and he would always be there. Mm. So one day, and and, and this started with touching and then it started with at the end of the night, there's a blanket and he's purposely next to me when we sleep so that he knows that when everyone else is asleep, he can like reach over and try things. Mm. It was just this interesting game of finding new ways to try things with me. And and I felt that he always was a step ahead, because it would take me three experiences to come up with what I'm gonna do the fourth time.
0: Yeah.
1: But he'd switch it up by the fourth time, so that meant I had to start over again, figuring out how to handle it, because I couldn't use language. So I'd have to get a sense. It's it sounds terrible, but I had to rehearse. Yeah. I had to allow him to do it, so that I could see his pattern so that I can anticipate it next time Mm -hmm. and simply not be available. Mm -hmm. Because I couldn't say stop without using my body in an aggressive way. Mm -hmm. What does the Bible teach? Love thy neighbor, turn the other cheek. But if you're a child, you take that literally. So he's raping me and I'm turning the other cheek because that's what I was taught to do. Yeah. And then I ran out of cheeks, right? And so I just felt like I have to fight him in order to stop him. And I remember having that thought and making, you know, I already logically thought about it years ago, but by now I'm now thinking about it in my body Mm -hmm. and I'm getting ready to push him. And then the door opens in the bathroom and a third person comes in Mm. because they didn't know that was going on all these years. And that this was the spot, you know, this was the spot that he would catch me late at night if I wasn't paying attention. Usually there's this spot in the backyard behind the garage, but I learned to avoid that spot. And then I closed the door and locked it, but I didn't lock it hard enough, apparently, because so he was able to still push it open and just get in there. And once the door opened again and the light came on and the the adult was there and they saw that and they were screaming, it wasn't about what was happening to me getting finally exposed. It was about me being this dirty, deviant thing that is causing this to happen in here. (sighs) And so before I had a chance to, to expose what was happening, I was exposed while it was happening. And so till this day, my sexuality is affected by that to the point that I don't want friends who are too loud. I, 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 I don't want friends who are too unable to adjust outside mm-hmm. to the environment because I fear that they're going to expose me in a way that I can't control. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of that feeling mm-hmm. that I was feeling when he, this guy who is deaf, who... I can't control, but he's got this power over me because there's no language. And I always felt a sense of forgiving what he did because I could talk and he can't, and he doesn't understand. He doesn't get that this is wrong and no one else is watching, so maybe it's okay. But also I'm a gay human who's never been touched and who's pining for some kind of attention and this is, manipulating me to allow it more. Mm-hmm. Because of this big need that I have, I allowed this guy to make get meet his needs yeah. and use me. And I didn't understand that that was wrong because I did need something. I just I, didn't need it from him at that time.
0: And it was a very tender age. I it mean, was a very tender age. Yeah.
1: So as an adult, I think about sex like a communication of pheromones and natural role, like what you are as an animal. Mm-hmm. And I do believe there's an allure and there's a power that I have with, with men. And I don't care what their sexual orientation is. I can tell that my power is there. It, and it will affect them in different ways, but it will affect them, period. And to me, that means power. And so I'm interested in learning what it is. Because those times when I was little, I didn't understand that I was cute to someone. Right. I didn't. But that's what was happening. And so I'm having to rewrite these experiences and now the submission thing, it makes me feel like, is that true for me? Because I like being not in charge. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I emotionally and psychologically cannot figure out if this is because of my upbringing or not. But what I know is that in relationship and in relationship only, I'm very interested in not being in charge, at least in the bedroom. I don't wanna be in charge at all in the bedroom.
0: When you say relationship, I just want to clarify, do you mean like when you're in a committed romantic relationship or just like any sexual relationship?
1: I would not say any sexual relationship. I would go ahead and say just romantic committed just because I know that there are so many different ways to encounter sex that I'm going to be
0: open to Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. don't include that dynamic. And I'm going to still say yes. Would you care to share some of the things that you do love in the bedroom yes okay. i would love to do that uh one of the things i love is i just love
1: being handled mm. by somebody that knows what they're doing i love relinquishing control to somebody with bigger muscles mm-hmm. and more weight mm-hmm. a deeper voice just makes it hot but if he knows what's going on, and if he knows what's going on in his body and in my body,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that just makes me trust him. And the, nothing turns me on more than that. And I think it's because of that upbringing. Exercising such a degree of control of myself mm-hmm. is kind of like being a boss of a company. Because you have to make all these decisions all day. And so nothing is more attractive than someone else being in charge. Oh yeah. And so I exercise all this control over myself and then I get in the bed and I'm like really interested in a guy that loves foreplay, a lot of mouth, yes. licking, sucking. Yeah. I am crazy about feeling a guy's breath near yes. my ear. Oh, yeah. When I was in when I was in elementary school, sometimes my friends would whisper to me, my oh. guy friends. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I felt this electricity in my spine. It was like my ears wanted to chew my spine. <laughs> <laughs> my ears were so turned on. Yeah. They wanted to be like, <laughs> yeah. to yeah. my spine, because my spine was like, keep talking. <laughs> like, <laughs> more secrets. I need more secrets. And I didn't know what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> but he had all these secrets, this boy. And he was going on and on and, on and 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 on. And all the consonants would just, and it would just hit in there. And I just remember feeling like, as a ch- and I was, ever, I was in elementary school. I was, this was all pre-sixth grade, Right. this memory yeah. of m- various friends, not just one experience, but just over the years, just noticing whenever I had guy friends and whenever there was a situation where they wanted to whisper something to me, I would hope that that would happen yeah. because I knew they would, they, would, they would always be really good at whispering too. Some guys sucked at it. They would be like, Ugh. but the ones that were really good at whispering, kids... I think are keen to each other's experience in other adults and humans. Mm-hmm. And I think we lose that if we don't study it or we lose it if we don't become actors or, just therap- or something that works on the human condition, yeah. we lose it. So what happens is there's a fake whisper and then there's a whisper whisper. When you fake whisper or don't commit to whispering, you can feel vibration yeah. here. But when you really whisper, you don't feel it. And for some reason, the boys were always really good at whispering. <laughs> And so it taught me something. This was the beginning of this. They would be boys that I didn't consider would possibly have feelings for me. Mm -hmm. But the whispering was something I was able to separate as a thing that I know I liked and a thing that felt intimate. I know they, they didn't know what was going on inside of my head. And I know that they probably weren't trying to be in like, you know, but I felt so close to them and I knew that they were being uninhibited. So that uninhibitedness becomes something that I find attractive as an adult. Mm -hmm. And so sexually, when a guy wants to do a lot of foreplay, I think that means that he is uninhibited Mm -hmm. and that he's confident because I might like that, but I have all these inhibitions. So I'm attracted to a guy that just wants to try something, which is why I know that I'm very open to BDSM if a guy comes along and and wants to try it. But I also really like the idea of having this thing that you decided to do with another person that requires a great deal of communication and, and empathy in order for it to get done. It has rules and safe words. Yeah, rules and
0: safe words. That is the intimacy, isn't it? It's part of it for me. I mean, it's intimacy, but it's also just a clear frame that keeps you safe. Because I have been with... I was with a couple, a kinky couple that I didn't know that well. I mean, I met them at a party and then decided to see them. And we didn't have the level of intimacy that my master and I developed over the time that we were together, but it's an agreement. I guess It's almost like an agreement to share this level of intimacy in that way. I would say, yeah.
1: Yeah. And that agreement is very interesting to me. It turns me on. Uh, I like that idea so much, just like. See, I don't even, like, just the idea of having, I'm attracted to it also because the way that it separates sex as this specific thing that we're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, but that structure makes me comfort, feel comfort. And and it makes me curious about it. I mean, I definitely am a voyeur. Go on. I'd like to talk about that for a second. I'm learning this now. Oh, great. I'm a voyeur, and I'm using that word as of this year. Four months ago, I started saying voyeur. And I know that that has to do with my experience too, but I sort of was talking earlier about moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. I think that lended to my voyeurism. Mm -hmm. When I would leave my schools and then start another elementary school and then leave and start another one, you're the new kid on the block. And Mm -hmm. in the 90s, being the new kid is a big deal because everyone, you're going to get bullied at the new... But I totally went through that and just refused to be the new kid because I had to so many times and I was just like you guys have no idea Mm. I'm not the new kid nice try and it would work and people would respond what I did was I would get to the point where I would reckon oh they, they have their pizza day on Wednesday they have better you know they have their their pizza day at the cafeteria on Friday at that school and there's the token bad kid of that class and the token good kid of that class and I would just figure out The crowd, Mm -hmm. like, for example, high school, you got the burner and then you got the debutante, like sorority, whatever you call it, queen. And then you got the like jock and then you got. So I was doing that in elementary school. Well, it took me out of being in the moment. Mm -hmm. It made me an observer. I was on the kindergarten more interested in the fact that Judy keeps on scooting over and twirling her hair really aggressively whenever Bobby scoots closer to her. And I don't think that Bobby knows that she's doing that, but every time he does it, she does it again. And I'm going to look, oh, wait, she, she knows she thinks I'm not paying attention. Okay. Pay attention again. Okay. She's reading the book. Now I can go back to what I'm really interested in. Oh my God. Bobby's moved two inches closer. I think Bobby (laughs) likes her. Okay. What's up? Like I knew what was going on in the class Mm -hmm. because I'm interested in human behavior because that's more truthful. Mm. And I would anticipate how to treat her based off of how she behaved with Bobby. And I would know what to expect from Bobby and I would fucking be right. And it caused me to, uh, to be very interested in what people are not saying to me. What people are not saying is more interesting because then I found out that that's what they do on the carpet, what they didn't say. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid, this is kindergarten. Like Mm -hmm. I'm like figuring out, I don't act like everyone else and think like everyone else. So it's made me a voyeur. And I can really be turned on and just, I don't know if it turned on, but just 100% riveted in watching two other people do anything.
0: And you have experience doing this? Yes, I have. Can you tell me what turns I on? I went to
1: Palm Springs. I actually said to my ex, I just, over breakfast, I want to watch you fuck someone. <sighs> no, okay, let's, we were eating breakfast. And I said, you know, I have a fantasy. Yeah, really? It's a sexual one. Oh, really? Tell me about it. I just, I don't know what it is, but this morning I woke up and I opened my eyes and I just had this image of you fucking a guy and me watching you fuck him. And it was really fucking hot. And then I looked at his face and he was so into it, like he was drooling. So we went to Palm Springs that next weekend, (laughs) that next weekend, because it's not every day that you're. Your 24-year-old boyfriend says, I want to watch you fuck someone, please. Can you do that for me? Will you do me a favor? I actually asked him, can you do me a favor? I said, can you do this for me as a favor? (laughs) Yeah. So he books the place and we get over there. Is Palm
0: Springs like the place to go? I don't know.
1: Palm Springs is a wonderful place to go and explore. And I know this as a gay man, there are options. So I can't imagine that there aren't also options for for heterosexual. But here's what we found. There are resorts there, gay men's resorts. That are clothing optional, and there are different cultures for each one, depending on your level of sensitivity.
0: How do you find out? For
1: example, all you gotta do is go to the website. What? They literally have a list of how cruisy it is. This one is ten on the or five on the cruisy list. What does cruisy mean? Meaning they're cruising, oh,
0: like looking for people. Right. meaning oh my i so It's okay to. Like, I literally just need to Google more.
1: Oh my you God. need to. No, no, no. <laughs> That, that's interesting that you said that. I get over, oh, overwhelmed by the idea of googling stuff. I, I tend know. to rely on people telling yes. me stuff because it's because it's less options,
0: <laughs> less options, and also like you're a person that I know and not a strange website that I don't. Because I'm the person too that I'll like read the website. I'll show up. I'll do the thing, and then the thing will be wrong because it's out of yes. date or something. You know, like, so I would be like the topless girl, and they'd be like, "This is dudes only," you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> be me. I'd be like, "I'm following the rules, right?" Yeah, I love that.
1: I love that spirit. Totally. That's the way that you would approach the Palm Springs, I think. Wow. I mean, if you're that girl, I'm sure that girl wants a resort too. A lot of g- girls I that I are that girl do. wants I a resort. just want to
0: be naked somewhere. So the gay
1: men's clothing optional resorts, they are gay men's, but some of them are just clothing optional resorts. Yeah. And they're co-ed.
0: That's fine. I'm not worried about me. I want to hear about your experience.
1: Oh, okay. Well, totally found this one that had a place across the street or- called the maze so our resort didn't have it but the one across the street did and if you buy a day pass you can go from your resort to that resort because they know that gay men certainly want to dabble if they don't want to stay there they might want to dabble in what you got on friday night <laughs> so we stayed at a resort that's kind of nicer it was clothing optional but mm-hmm. it was catering to a, a you know more it was more classy mm-hmm. so it was very laid back very tropical an atrium a pool serving you breakfast you know and it was just very nice a pool boy who was like really like Looks like he's on a porn, and then and then we go across the street to this more cruisy resort, mm-hmm. this more cruisy clothing optional resort where they have this place called the Maze. It's a playground for gay men to have sex in. Um, it's only open on Friday night and Saturday night. You 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 go in and um, there's rooms and compartments and things for all sorts of things. There's a room that has a sling. Is that the thing that is you lie on it and it's like a swing?
0: I think so. Okay, so Sounds yeah, there's right. a
1: sling, and it's like a thing that the person—it's like a hammock, yeah. but with a leather, sexy-looking yeah, bottom, yeah,
0: yeah, like a sex swing, yeah. And it's
1: just a sexy swing. And so there was men fucking on that. And then there's a glory hole, like s- chamber, where like a line of men are standing up there, and like their penises are hanging out through the glory hole, and you can go in there and you know.
0: Wait, is it like one room with many holes? And then you can see all the penises. Cause that would be awesome. No. Okay. But I want that. That's my new
1: <laughs> no, but I think the Abby men's restroom
0: has that. No, I'm kidding. I'm like, I'm there. <laughs> Let's, go. Let's go now. Canceling the plans. Gotta leave. Sorry.
1: No, like I think, Oh, it was a room that just was that, and it was like a some short hallway. So you turn the corner and you're in that hallway and that's all that's down there. And, And one, two, three, four, and they all have penises coming out of them. Wow. And you can just stand there and suck their cock if you want and go, okay, next room. You know. God. so they have
0: condoms? How are people safe? I don't understand.
1: When you walk in, all gay men um, places, I think, do this now, I think. Um, But this one, I know, did it. And it had just a bucket with condoms and and lube, right? And and you ripped it, you know, like the the individual packets.
0: Okay. And blowjobs with condoms? No, I don't think
1: people do that. I
0: don't I, I don't think they do, but I it's think that that would be a unsafe. very disgusting
1: experience for the for, sucker, for the for, the,
0: for the, the
1: one down there doing it yeah. beca- for the cocksucker, right? The cocksucker. Because <laughs> by the way, cocksucking is a like skill. Like we should totally have some cocksucker pride because yeah. it's a
0: skill. I can deep throat. I can I love it. And I envy you. Well, I learned how with my master. He showed me how. Like I with and his it cock was,
1: or with a thing? With a thing?
0: Uh with his cock. Like he like walked me through it. And like now I can and I fucking love it. It's and he, crazy. And he
1: gave you his responses, what was working? Yes, well Yeah. that's good I yes. that's And I'd he's like not that he was
0: not small. I mean he's a large he's a large cocked man, but I can take it. <laughs> yeah, and so you learned relaxing and there's like a certain spot and like, I don't do it if I've just eaten a lot of tacos, like we like would go get tacos together and I would, <laughs> T-M-I. if I ever deep throat after eating anything with corn chips, like it will come up. Like like it just will. Like it's not the worst, but like, or like sometimes he'll cause I'm into him holding my head down as well. And so oh. like, if I hit the spot just like a minute too long, cause like we, I don't know, we get to the point where he can like feel the amount of struggle that's good and then like when i actually need to come up but sometimes i still don't like come up in time and so it's just like one time i opened my mouth and i was like <laughs> i'm holding up a finger and then i walked away and like brushed my teeth and came back
1: wait so how how do you
0: <laughs> it's just like relaxing turn off the reflex it's still it's mine for me it's in here isn't it's it it's mind control and that's what sex is for me and the more that i got into bdsm i was like oh this isn't just sex this is It's tapping into, for me, uh, something else. I'm not like, I'm like, that's the closest I feel to a higher power, to transcendence, to like universe source energy. Like, I don't know what the fuck the universe is, Uh but when I am being fucked very deeply and I'm connected with my partner, whether or not I think I'm going to spend my life with them, like when that connection is there and strong and I feel controlled and held, I, I do feel free when that connection is there and the connection has to be there. And for me, I think it's about it's not just like, oh, I want to spend my life with him because it wasn't that for so long. And there was a period our relationship actually recently fell apart because I was like, OK, now I'm ready to spend my life with you. And he was like, that's not possible. I'm married. And I was like, I get it. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, he was saying all that stuff to me. But before then, we had a year of perfect. It was like the best parts of a relationship without any of the hard parts for one yeah. perfect year. And during those times, it was what I imagined being hypnotized is like, if if that's a real thing, if that's real, I don't know. And if we were upset or not connected, it's like my throat will just stay closed. And I've tried with other lovers, like they, I don't know if a man needs to know that it's coming or not. I haven't slept with many people since him and so I a couple other partners like over the course of time, but nobody that I stopped and was like, Do you want me to deep throat you now? Like <laughs> there's people that I would like try it with and sometimes it just wouldn't be the right angle or wouldn't be the right fit. Or I don't know. I don't know. So I'm still learning. Does it take
1: a while to Nope. The process, I mean. Like, does it take a while to get it all the way down? Like, like nope. for example, when I'm... For me, no nope. Receiving. Okay, so it's not like,
0: okay. <laughs> it's, it's literally it like, to a, like moment, relax and then go it's a moment. It's a moment where I relax and then I can do it. It's like uh, it's in or out. And then out. certain angles are bad angles and those are gag angles. And then other angles, I'm like, I could do this forever. And and it also, what I've noticed is like as I become more and more aware of my body and how it's feeling day to day, certain days, I my gag reflex is stronger and then certain days it's not. And so... I would be curious if I went back to like read my journals to see how my emotions were tracking that day because I can like notice now the physiological changes. I don't know. It's that's I interesting. It.
1: I, I really mm-hmm. want that ability for some reason because when I watch porn, they look like the, the guys that can deep look like they're having so much fun it with the cock. changed
0: blowjobs for me. It's
1: like I want to enjoy blowjobs. I don't enjoy them actually. Oh, giving really? them, I, I enjoy receiving, I but I don't get enjoy. Giving. I used to
0: feel really neutral, and now it's like a new delicious thing. So one of the dudes that I fucked over the summer, I, he was so boring. Like he was like the most, like I I said yes to seeing him. I knew he was a little bit douchey. He's like not a bad person. And he was into rope tying. And I was like, I've never been tied up before. Like I'm interested in that. And so we ended up hanging out. And like, if I hadn't been making my own fun with the blowjobs, it would have been the most boring sex I've had in years (laughs) You know, so it's like, and I had—I think I had an elementary school teacher that was always like, "You bring your own fun with you," and so like I had like brought that into my. I would love
1: for that elementary school teacher to be listening to this podcast right now and feeling
0: proud. (laughs) Little golf (laughs) clap.
1: No, I—I definitely am just like fucking crazy about Dick right now. Mm. Um, but I'm just so curious about why I like what I like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why and, do you
1: like it? Okay. Tell me more. Tell me more specific. So what we did was we got to the maze and we found this guy and I try, I wanted to, I wanted to see if he could attract him, my ex because or my boyfriend, because he was, I think the demographic of that guy, that guy, you know, would find him interesting. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening is I stood there and he actually found me attractive. And I said, if we don't feel equally a tr- desirable to this guy. Yeah. Like I wasn't going to be in a situation where he doesn't really want me. They're just trying to use me as an excuse to get to my guy. Great. Yeah. And I was yeah. very keen. And, and we talked about that before we went in, Good. which is important. Yep. So then we found the guy and then he was super easy. And then um, <laughs> like, he was super like, yeah, sure. Yeah. You wanna, I was like, you want to come back to, Oh, this is my boyfriend. Cause he, he started touching me and I was like, mm, touching him back. And then I got against the wall, like touch me right here, you know? Mm. And then I was, I told my boyfriend to come over and I was getting Put his hand as like touching my boyfriend, started touching him. I made him touch him, mm-hmm. like I put his hand on my boyfriend's abs, mm-hmm. and, and it just that's it. Go ahead, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I didn't use words, this is mm-hmm. all with mm-hmm. my body. Mm-hmm. And I oh, just found myself surprisingly taking charge of the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't even know until we got to the room that I, look at what I just did. This, yeah, I, tra- I did this. I caught, I caught as a. a- Love her. I got, I got us a live one. <laughs> and what I realized was there were no words. I'm really good when there's no words. I'm really good yes. when there's no words. But I didn't know that. So we get to the room. Seamless, just seamless. It was just how I fantasized. Cause I told him, I was like, I picture you fucking some guy in front of me, me watching from behind and it's hot. That's exactly what happened. We got in the room. First of all, the room had two beds uh, because oh, it was a yes. suite. And so uh, when we first checked in, I was like, this is where we're going to sleep. And when we fuck, it's going to be over there. And so we fucked on the fuck bed. Yes. And they just started. I was like, and he he kind of was like, she gonna, what do you want me to do? And I was like, just get on the bed. And I didn't know who I was. Mm-hmm. I just was just get on the bed. I just took fucking charge. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they both obeyed me. They both did exactly what I asked.
0: Mm-hmm. We didn't discuss that
1: part, but that just happened. Yeah. And I was just doing, I found myself taking this kind of position and touching my chin and and using my
0: hand to tell them what to do. For our listeners, he's leaned back in his chair, elbow, elbow on the armrest, hand stroking his chin gently. Yeah. And I didn't
1: even know what demeanor I had taken. My body took fucking charge. Mm -hmm. And they got on that bed like I asked and they started making out. And I just let the experience happen. And I found myself riveted I was debating I was like because I was my heart was pounding because I was like am I going to be traumatized because I didn't know how I was going to respond right yeah this was the first time I asked for this and mm-hmm. I was like am I going to feel jealous I don't know but we talked about it a lot and here we are and I found myself feeling really really turned on yeah I wanted to see if I had the same visceral response as I do watching a porn video mm-hmm. way better <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> so what I was obsessed over was I was Specifically watching from behind as my boyfriend fucked him, Mm -hmm. watching my boyfriend's back muscles was so hot Mm. because I can't see those while he's fucking me.
0: Did you stay seated or did you get up and look like what was your experience? At first
1: I was sitting on, okay, at first I was standing. Mm -hmm. I couldn't sit down yet. I was Mm -hmm. too like, what's going to happen? I had lubricant in my hand Mm -hmm. and I guess I wanted some control. Uh Yeah. And then I just remember zoning in on the back muscles. And that's when I don't remember anything, yeah. what I did, because I was so in it. I do know that I was zoning in my eyes on the his cock going in mm-hmm. and out and in and out. Oh, yeah. And the sound. Yep.
0: Just there's being, like, I knew what that guy was feeling. 100%. I, can I share something of my experience watching? I had a night where my master, we had a threesome. And I had requested ahead of time to be locked in my cage for a portion of it. And so I was in my cage and he was fucking her on my couch. And just I had a suspicion that I would enjoy it, but my level of arousal was infinitely higher than I could possibly have imagined. I was like From in the cage? mm -hmm." Oh my god. It was so hot. So then by the time they let me out and I was allowed to play again, I was like,
1: anything
0: you want to do anything. What
1: were you thinking while you were
0: in the cage? Nothing. Nothing. Like I because at, at first my brain was on, it was like, well, I like, like the same things like you were saying, like, well, I like this. Will I not like this? Like what? And then I was just like, no, I really like this. And then I was instructed to touch myself, but not come. So I was supposed to be edging myself. And I got to the point where I could like barely touch myself because I was so highly aroused that I was like, I don't want to orgasm in a second. Like, and I'm not supposed to yet. And I, I like to follow the rules. That's
1: interesting. I wonder uh, um, about that because, you know, I... I was responding to what I was seeing and it was hot visually, but it seemed like it was a physical activity that I was very close to.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I don't know. It's just human empathy. I think Mm -hmm. that's what it is. But the thing is, I've always been curious about it because sex is psychological. And so this thing of not thinking about anything... You, I said, "What did you were you thinking while you're in the cage?" You said nothing. Mm. I was like,
0: "Oh, I go into subspace." That sounds hot. Thinking but it's like, of nothing. It's like subspace where you, have, for me, subspace just feels like one hundred percent in the present moment. Is that a real? What does
1: that mean, subspace?
0: Oh my god, I don't know if I can even define it appropriately. So maybe I should turn to Google. But it's the it's the hypnotic state when you are a submissive where you go into a headspace that basically. For me, anything my master says in that moment is just like the perfect thing. And my sensations are heightened and my thinking brain is not activated. Now, it's not like for me, it's not like I it's not a perfect state like I can be brought out of it if. The wrong thing happens, so you know. So if yeah. I, if we hit a weird angle, then I'll, use, then I'll be like red. Ah, like but it, <laughs> but it is hypnotic. It's a hypnotic state where when things continue in the same way, and you dri- I can literally be fucked for hours and beaten and hit, and it feels enjoyable. And it's like this intense sensation. I love sensations. I really love textures and feelings and all. And so when I get the pleasure and the pain back to back doled out in these like brilliantly perfectly done ways. My body is just like, yes, take me everything. I don't want to do anything for you. You know, but it's the type of thing where I'm so funny because I can take pretty intense pain and also very intense, like, like fucking can be very pleasurable for me. But if my like knee is on the cement for too long or my ankle falls asleep, like those mild, uncomfortable things, I'm like, I cannot tolerate this. And so I'll actually even like use a safe word for that stuff. I can take... Hard, purposeful, like if it's given by my master, but if it's just my legs at a weird angle or something, like I have to fix that because my brain will like loop on it and it'll be mm. like too much and then it takes me out. And that's so, the whole experience.
1: Do yeah. you think that there is a not thinking aspect to all of these experiences for you or only when you get to subspace is that happening? For me, I mean. The not thinking.
0: No, I think. Or are they thinking know. of nothing? I feel like it might be a language issue because I feel like the not thinking is the totally pre like being totally present and connected with your person. Right. And so I don't know if that's like a language bump.
1: Well, I guess what I'm like, looking for more is there's a sensory experience, but there's a psychological experience too. And I'm just wondering if the subspace is defined in that sensory experience totally just being totally heightened.
0: I think it's both. I think uh, I'm not an expert, but if I had to give my opinion or my kind of like thoughts about it, I think there has to be a certain psychological experience that happens to get to subspace. And then it's combined with the sensory experience to prolong it. And so I think it is similarly psychological because it's all about the like connection to my dom for me.
1: I'm curious about that, applying that emotionally, but I, because, because I'm wondering if I've experienced some of that in relationship too, but just, you know, In regards of the relationship, because I felt a certain way when I was being submissive.
0: I mean, for me, it's like the most heightened, best moments. Like, it's like I finally started having the type of sex that I dreamed about when I was a kid. I don't know if you... When I was little, I learned about sex very young and just like fantasized about what it would be like for forever like and I was like Christian-ish growing up but like nothing intense like you had but I was just like I can't wait till someday when I get to have when I get to get married at age 19 and have sex like in my brain I was like 19, when <laughs> I'm a grown up and not not that I even not that anyone in my family or life was like you're gonna get married young like I was just like I can't wait till I'm old enough to have sex and that comes with marriage because that's what I was taught yeah so I can do it I can and, just
1: like it's because I can you know
0: and then I was yeah. in fact 19 but unmarried when I lost my virginity and and that was after like a year of trying and and the sex was so like even the good sex was like not at the level that I have since experienced and so I don't know I'm, I'm at this point where like my master and I are have just gone separate ways and I'm like what the fuck am I going to do about sex? Like, who will I ever fuck anyone ever again? Should I have non kinky sex just to see what it's like? Or how do I communicate? How do you feel
1: about that idea of non kinky sex? I mean, I would, I would
0: have it, but I'm also just like, I don't, I think partnership wise, if I end up with someone lifelong, I think I'm going to want to be kinky. I don't, but I, but then I'm like, am I crazy? Cause I didn't, I don't have extensive experiences outside of this I was with my master a year and eight months. Mm-hmm. And then I have experienced like the kinky couple. And then the dude that was like underwhelming that rope tied me. Although he did take me to a very awesome play party that I was very excited to go to. Full of beautiful people and just like sexy experiences.
1: Awesome. It was amazing.
0: It was like everything. Like I've been so lucky that I'm like, I'll try this. Oh, it's perfect. Thank you, universe. <laughs> like I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. I wanna, so I, I don't know. I tr- I'm curious
1: about these things. I'm, uh, um, again, my upbringing was so like. Yeah. So everything to me is like, ooh,
0: what? I mean, that? that's me. Like, I'm just like, what's over there? I have to go find out. Yeah. And that, for me, outweighs the fear that I might have around it. And I also know that, I mean, because I was raised, I just got so lucky in the life that I was born into that I, I'm i pretty resilient. And I know that if I have a bad experience, I can be like, okay, well, I tried that. And like, you know, it didn't, wasn't for me. And I can move on without being totally traumatized. Right. I think so far. Do you think that
1: there's a... Of emerge of psychology and I'm sorry, yes, yeah, like c- c- cerebral thought and psychology, like BDSM. In other words, do you think that is the? It's appealing because it um it is the one way to have sex with both the body and the brain.
0: I don't think it's the only way. I'm okay. sure there's, there's so other ways other to bring ways, the brain in. Anything. But I think it's a specific thing that like I I the longer I'm in therapy, I've been in th- therapy three years now. I like really clear frames in any relationship with a person. If someone is my friend and they want to hang out, like, I like knowing, you know, if we're going to hang out in the afternoon, I like knowing that, like, we're going to do these things and it's going to be over. Because otherwise, I don't know if I'm hanging out with them too long. I don't know when to leave. Similarly, on a sex date, I, like, would prefer to know if they want to also try to, like, romantically date me or if we're just fucking. And I've offended people, like, checking in about that because they're like, what do you think I am? And I'm like, I... I I think you're a person that wants to have sex with me. And so I just want to know what it means, you know? And I, and I like literally stopped seeing a guy because he was like, well, I don't want anything from you at this point. And I was like, okay, like we've literally only had one coffee date and then you invited me you invited yourself over to my house. So it is not unreasonable for me at that point to be like, oh, are you just looking for a sexual relationship? Because I thought we were like on a dating track. And then he was like, I oh, don't want gonna... to. And he got so offended. But I was just like, no, you're the one with the problem. Like, I'm, I like a clear frame. That's fine. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. And then they take it personally yeah. when you try to take self-agency.
0: It's like he was insulted that I had... Pointed out the fact that he wanted to have sex with me. And I was exactly. like I was like, dude, the fact that I'm talking about it with you means that I'm interested. Yeah. Like, why are you <laughs> freaking out right now? We could be fucking your cue. Okay, clearly you have too many hangups. No, thank you. And so for me, I feel like BDSM is so appealing to me because I like the heightened sensation. And my experience with it is that it comes with an arc, like a beginning, middle, end. My master was a writer. He like sessions were so long and drawn out and I've never met a person who wanted to touch me as much as I wanted to be touched. I love being touched. I could be touched <gasps> for the rest of forever. And he just does not get tired of touching me. And in all of my other sexual relationships or just any kind, like I've always was like, oh, I want too much. What I want is too much. And I finally found a person that wanted to touch me the same amount that I wanted to be touched until we were both just like so exhausted that we're just like flopped out together on the bed. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, he's not available to be my life partner. And that's kind of sucks. But
1: right. But even beauty, has its evolutions.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm
1: really, really, f- like, I'm telling you, like, the finding out about this stuff is really fascinating to me because I do believe that it bleeds into other things that are not sex.
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: I think, PTSD, like, domination and submission and all this stuff, I think it plays into a lot of stuff. I think it plays into the way people drive.
0: Oh, very unconsciously, Like, I would the way say. that they like, let like our, you our, in the lane or yeah, not, and it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to get in front
1: of you and take my position in the lane. It's like, yeah. it's very dominating and, like, some, like...
0: It is. I mean, th- those are those, those power structures in the world absolutely exist, and... I like BDSM because it's like a clear frame of like, here's how we're going to use power, like these power structures to enjoy our bodies. Yeah. And that's what I love about it so much. Because <laughs> well, it's like very explicit.
1: The other thing about it is the top topping and versus bottoming. Mm-hmm. So, um, because I think that that is in for gay men synonymous with the concept like a top or a bottom and a dominant and a submissive should be separate, but they are talked about as the same.
0: Interesting. Oh, this is. This is a sphere that I just hadn't considered because it's outside my level of access. Yeah, <laughs> or just it's like a, body parts of access. And you're gonna be,
1: you're gonna help us with the language because, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I do think gay men can use a little bit more language about this. Yeah,
0: I think everyone can though, and that's why I want us to talk about it.
1: Yeah. So a bottom, I, I identified as a bottom, but I don't anymore.
0: I mean, you definitely took control of that situation in the story that you were talking about. But so that but, but feels, that wasn't very bottom, was it? That wasn't no, very that submissive, more, was it? That feels more top. The bottom so is maybe you're a switch in some instances. Well, maybe I do think sexually,
1: I am versatile sexually. I know that now. And you I, enjoy? And I do enjoy both. Okay, I do. Mm. Yes,
0: I wouldn't say equally because
1: I need more experience. Totally. Because there's an emotional part and a psychological part that is depth separate. But physically, I like being versatile and doing both. I just emotionally tend to want to, like, right now I'm in a place where I want to be, like, I want to be, like, handled. absolutely. (laughs) And I want to be fucked sufficiently. Well,
0: totally. And I wonder that about myself. I'm like, am I in a phase? Or is this the way that I am? Or, like, would I enjoy dominating someone? Maybe if they were the right person. I don't know. Like, I don't, I really don't
1: know. Is there a thing about the way that the dom relates or the... To the submissive, because, because, for example, I know there's certain fetishes about being humiliated and degraded. And mm-hmm. then I know that there's certain ones of being treated like you're the baby. All kinds of different ones. There's and so daddies, I'm the baby there's one. masters,
0: there's doms. And what I've discovered in my like limited experience so far is that people have different ideas about what each thing means. Like I've spoken to two different men personally, like firsthand primary uh, research where They both identify as daddies, but for one of them, it means more about, like, teaching this little girl, like, being an instructor, being a mentor figure to her. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. gets him off about being a daddy. Mm -hmm. And the other one was more turned on by the taboo of the, I am with a younger girl, or not necessarily younger, but, like, her face looks very young. Like, he's, like, very attracted to, like... Just young looking. Oh, there was girls. a young girl in the mm-hmm. thing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So the two daddies weren't like gay. Together. One of them, yeah. One of them was not my dom. He's somebody else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so it was just interesting because I was like, oh, I mean, yeah. different things to you. And then one yeah. of uh, actually no, I know a third daddy, and he was just all about like, you be with me, and I will be in charge, and you don't have to worry about a thing. Yeah. And so it wasn't even specific from what I knew to age or teaching. It was just like full control.
1: Everybody has a different reason for wanting to be a daddy. And everybody has a, you you, you know, for example, I have a theory about being a bottom. I used to identify as a bottom, but now I identify as versatile. Mm -hmm. But what I realized when I was identifying was a bottom is the bottom's actually in charge. Mm -hmm. The bottom's actually in charge because they decide what isn't in, what is, or is not going to happen tonight. It's like, if they're not ready to have sex, there's no sex.
0: Right.
1: So unless you're outsourcing it, there's no sex. Yeah. So, I felt like, well, I love this role. Like, you mm. know, this like '50s housewife thing is—it's really the woman who's kind of in charge of the house because, mm-hmm. like, she knows everything. Like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, and, but it's a complicated relationship. But it's complicated, because then there is money and all this stuff. Because he goes it outside goes, and mm-hmm. gets all the mm-hmm. stuff.
1: You know, this thing is interesting to me of figuring out the role because I think that for gay men, the dom and the submissive is usually not obvious. It's usually the reverse of what it looks like in my experience. What I find that interesting is that is that there's still this alpha issue now. Mm-hmm. And this in this beta issue. Mm-hmm. But you got beta and alpha females, you got beta and alpha males. Yeah. You got tops and you got bottoms, you got doms and got subs in all mm-hmm. it's not just this man and woman thing but we screwed it up by saying men and women are all bottoms and submissive and men's are all tops and dom no mm-hmm. and so then you get in a gay relationship and you have to figure out this right and so i think I, I think about this and i'm i'm trying to figure out cuz i don't know if i'm alpha or beta if i don't even know hmm. It's a um, wonderful
0: time to be exploring. It's a
1: wonderful time to explore it. And I think sex is the closest thing I have to an answer. Because yeah. every time I have sex, I learn where I am More in the animal kingdom. Yeah. And I love being fucked. I know that. I love when I I just love it when a guy affects me. Yeah. That's what that's what's attractive, is that that a, a man's ability to affect other men.
0: Can you articulate what it feels like to be affected in the way that you
1: like? My big thing is feeling invisible. I don't want to feel that. And I'm not going to give you everything either. I'm not going to walk in a room and say, this is Jamal. Mm-hmm. The guy that gets me to really feel that is going to just see something that I didn't spoon feed to him. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to see it still.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so that creation to create that in the space makes me feel like a little girl mm-hmm. because that's what age I was when I was feeling invisible. Mm-hmm. And so when a guy can just level me and get it, I kind of want to give him everything. Like, even if he just smiles at me in the right way that afternoon, that means he's seeing me really. I don't know. I I mean, the seven year relationship came out from a smile. (laughs) It was just the, it was just. It was genuine. Yeah. It was for me. It was what I deserve. I deserve that uninhibited of a smile. Yeah. I didn't deserve a fake smile. I didn't, I deserve somebody to look at me like they were a big dopey idiot. Absolutely. And that's how he was looking at me. And I walked across that motherfucking room and I said, you can get this for seven years, honey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally, I totally like when somebody is able to, and you know what it is? It's often not words. Yeah. It's just, there is something that, that man's going to experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to see it for him to bring that on his sleeve or to bring that forth or to just like that be the thing that he uses to to, to get to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's hot. Ooh, can you repeat your question? Because I have almost another experience coming up here.
0: Uh, what does it feel like in your body when, when you're you, uh, what's the word we said?
1: When you're seeing when I feel like I'm when being feel, seen.
0: Yeah. Activated, aroused. You said something when you're.
1: Well, I think that what I really want is to be seen as I really am Mm -hmm. and to also feel affected. I think that's what it was. Affected, yes, it was affected. Affected. So I have resilience. Yeah. I'm a resilient person. I have to be resilient to to, to have this package to move in any circle. Mm -hmm. And so that resilience tends to be something that plays a role in my sexuality. The resilience is gonna, I'm not gonna turn that off. It's not my job. So the men who can get past it Not by force, but by some natural means, that's hot. Mm -hmm. For me to be resilient and to do my resilience in the party, but for a guy to see a real experience inside of me anyway, Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck just happened, but I'm going to fuck you. Like, You
0: get it? I do. And half the time I'm sitting there wondering, like, does he actually see me or do I just feel seen? Does she actually see me or does she just want to fuck me? Like, is it just my experience? And that's what I'm trying to figure out as I go forward. Well, you know? how do you know when they... I don't know. You don't know? You're still I mean, figuring it out? That's why I'm That's why I'm single because I feel like until... I feel like once you find the person where you're like, yes, you definitely see me, then that's kind of who you stay with. I don't know. I'm still figuring out partnership and everything. But it's like, I think in every case, I've been like, oh, I think you see me. And then the relationship goes on and you're like, oh no, I was just this thing to you.
1: Yeah, I don't like it when someone's careful around me. Mm-hmm. That turns me off. That's... I don't like caution. It turns me way off when somebody's careful around me. Like, if mean, they're careful? being cautious about race, fine, but I don't like it when somebody's being too careful. Oh, because like, it, it makes make feel me...
0: sneaky or weird or yeah. just, like you hiding. Yeah, what's... it makes
1: me feel like I'm a kid again and I'm telling my dad to point to the scripture that says before you were saved, you were adulterers, murderers, homosexuals, and I couldn't say gay, so I had him say that. Oh, wow. It takes me back to that. But when a guy is just like able to talk to me, like, yeah, this is going to sound weird, but you know my history now and with sex. And that's so the whole
0: point. Sorry, here, this is the animal to, that I am, guys. Well, and we're here to talk about it because it's like we carry all this shame and like the this doesn't sound good or that doesn't sound good. But it's also like. And I secretly
1: think straight men are just as fucked up as us. They just don't have to ever talk about it. Because they get away with... They should talk about it. But they should. They get away with
0: raping women. It's just not fair.
1: (laughs) So I I definitely think that there's a thing that I respond to when a guy can talk to me like a little kid.
0: mm. Not like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just like a kid that he likes. Anyone who's read self-help books or has been in some traditional sort of therapy, there's a lot of reparenting. There's a lot of going back and like comforting your your child self and thinking about that i've been thinking about that relationship with myself a lot and yeah of course i want a person who can hold space and make me feel comforted and safe and okay like of course i want to connect the most deeply with that individual
1: yeah and and the the we're saying sex is very psychological i feel like my mind needs to be seduced absolutely really totally. like my body doesn't really need i don't have thoughts for it like i don't like to have any thoughts for my body what i have is i know how psychologically like my maps are mm. and I have these easy trip wires that I can just kind of like ugh, bypass everything when I can see a guy just being himself because it makes it easy for me to trust. Yeah. Like when there's a guy saying a lot of F word and a lot of F bombs, I'm going to trust him faster. <laughs> really? What if he's
0: a person that just doesn't say it?
1: If he's a person that just doesn't say it, it's going to show yeah. that he's genuine and just doesn't curse. But generally speaking, there's a study I read that if people that say that swear a lot are generally more honest and trustworthy people. Really? Yeah, because. Well,
0: now I feel better about my sailor mouth.
1: You should feel great about your <laughs> sailor mouth because it means that you're not editing yourself that much. Mm. And to lie is to edit. Mm. And like to, to to, you know, think about all the fakeness. Right. So, mm-hmm. but I definitely, I definitely think it's it's a psychological thing. And to get me, to get a guy to make me feel like that, he's definitely going to just look at me Mm. and he's just going to be human. And there's not going to be filters. The filters are where I get scared and turned off and feel like I have to start using my interpersonal skills and sociology and all my stuff to protect myself.
0: Yeah. Because it's like, what are you What's going on? Yeah, What's all the
1: editing? You want something. Yeah. But, but, but when they're just themselves, I'm so like, I turn into this little girl, (laughs) you know,
0: and I get really giddy. So I'm going to ask you a couple of like rapid fire questions. Let's see. Okay. So, thing comes to mind questions? Uh yeah, or I want you to answer in just like a sentence or two, okay. okay? So like when someone's giving you a blowjob, what's your favorite?
1: When someone's giving me a blowjob, my favorite is when they let me get hard in their mouth. Mm. And when they use their tongue a lot. Great. And I love the tip action, like the tip bottom of the tip mm-hmm. action.
0: Crazy. Amazing. Okay, um Where do you land on ball sensitivity and do you like ball play?
1: I don't think about balls, um, but I have it. I have sensitivity Mm -hmm. and I love ball play. I just give it zero thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If you have a sexual hope for yourself going forward in this present moment, what is it? A
1: sexual hope in this present moment
0: would probably be that I
1: experience a sporty sex night where it's totally not an emotional experience, but one that's just fun.
0: Amazing. With a not X. <laughs> I love that. Also, when you said sporty, I just had a vision of you like wearing high top basketball shoes, like, like, and nothing else. <laughs> Is that weird to say to you out loud? Except I'd probably be wearing something ballet-esque. <laughs> right. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, if you could go back and give... Your little self, a piece of sex advice. If you go give yourself a sex talk, what age would you pick, and what would you say?
1: I would pick nine because um, I started to really sh- have different experiences before then, and that was the last moment before they started happening. Mm-hmm. And that was when I would receive the words the best. And I would say, you know, other years are going to be good too, mm. and that's all. I love because I thought nine was the best year, and I was like, I should mark this. I wrote it down. So I, I'll, t- I'll tell myself other years are going to be really good too, good. and I'll say it with big eyes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay. And lastly, is there something that you want to ask me? You can ask me anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. In terms of your w- v- voyeur life, mm-hmm. and here I just want to hear you talk about voyeurism for a second.
0: Yeah. I
1: maybe to make it more specific, watching others, maybe like yes, like I'm... different, like maybe gay men or something.
0: I would be into that. I'm not particularly turned on by porn, but if I could watch someone in the room. In the room. I am so, and and I identify as pansexual, like I'm attracted to men and women, and I have never had the opportunity to watch gay men fuck, but I think I'd be aroused by it. I'm like, (laughs) and that visual element, I never realized that I was so visual until I started seeing my master because- we started making pornos together and then I was like, oh, I really like this when there's some sort of personal element to it. Because when I watch porn, I just go into like thinking about the production. (laughs) Literally. And if the shots are shitty, I get so taken out of it. I didn't see that. That's that's all I can think about when I watch porn. And then it puts me into my producer brain and then I become stressed. (laughs) And like like my master subscribed He subscribed us to this, like, this independent kind of collective that are these, like, really cool artist people who, like, make their own stuff. But I couldn't get into it because I couldn't, like, let go of the, like, production aspect. Like, I couldn't, like, there was one that, like, used multiple cameras. And then there was, like, one that I was, like, this is clearly shot on an iPhone. And they could have, like, Ugh. their ed- like... It's not, it's not that it needed to be edited differently. Like there were long shots, but I'm like, I, this, get a fucking tripod and change the angle. Cause I can't see what's happening. Like, it's just, you know, and so it was like, fix your mic. Artsy. mic. I don't need the mic. I just need, or like, yeah, like, and like one of them had like really bad, like you could tell it was just like shitty royalty free music that was just like playing in the background. It sounded like, like weird, like exercise. So anyway. Um, that stuff is like, what are you thinking? No. <laughs> you know, and so maybe if there, maybe there's a porn out there for me, that's not my own, but God, is that just narcissistic? Maybe <laughs> no. I'm a crazy did narcissist. Did you know that there,
1: I think, I, did you know that there's this, such category as amateur?
0: Yeah, totally. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and just, I, that's I've, when I've you really get
1: iPhones, a bad production. It just,
0: no, it just depends because also, like, I just need a little bit more. I probably would be more turned on by like selfie porn. I don't know. I just need to be able to see what's happening clearly. And I need to feel some connection to the people. I think, like I, th- I think, it really mm. is that. And the, um, so the
1: voyeurism would be hot as long as you have some personal connection to it. It's not just totally well, like-,
0: like the personal connection could be as simply as simple as me being in the room. Yeah, <laughs> like when I went the one play party I went to, it was relatively tame. I had to leave early because I was working early the next morning, so I could only stay till about twelve thirty. And I don't think things started like getting going like, like fucking wise until like one a.m. But I watched people play. I watched one woman get rope tied and be suspended and I was just like enraptured and like completely turned on. And if someone had come over and been like, I want to fuck you right now while you watch this, I would have been like, that's perfect. Like that would have been perfect. And um, That sounds
1: like fun. It was amazing. Let the human nature go and just see what the human nature is when it's just go.
0: and, And I find it terrifying to watch another submissive be beaten. So in one of the, in the kinky threesome I had, I, w- I was just like, oh my god, because that's gonna be me next, and this is scary. And is she in pain? Is she okay? And then I was like, wait, you do this, you're fine. She has a safe word. And so it's interesting because like when it comes to impact play, I'm l- that's my that's not as much my favorite in person. I don't know. Uh, so and mm-hmm. that's only two experiences that I have. So I'm actually curious for more. So
1: that's interesting. Do, um, real quickly, uh, you know, Tumblr is a site that has a lot of porn on it.
0: If I read my headlines correctly, I think that just changed as of like yesterday.
1: December 17th. Oh, December 17th. They're going to take it down all the porn. Holy shit. Why? I don't know. That I'm upset about. Because that's like
0: an easy way to look at porn. Yeah, my master would send me gifts from there. I loved it. Like he would send me like the coolest stuff. He would like curate my meditations for the evening. Yeah, and you could totally
1: react to something you watched and yeah. say something psychological yeah. and somebody else who watches that will say it. and it's just a fun yeah. like I'm learning a lot about sex through Tumblr.
0: I'm so bad at searching. Just talking to I people. just had to Okay. No, I don't start. I don't I don't
1: know how to search either but
0: that's why I like it because so it just puts it in front of you like Facebook. So more days. No, 10 more days. <laughs> just give us 10 more. 10 just give more 10 us 10 days. more days. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for being on the show with me. This was a wonderful conversation. Do you want to tell the world where they can find you?
1: Uh yeah, actually at Jamal David. So J E M A L D A V I D and with an extra D, honey. Very easy.
0: <laughs> I love it. And it's a capital I love D, it. you know <laughs>